Amen. So that, that's a, just a little trailer to the movie that's coming up this Resurrection Sunday. All of our children will be in that movie. It'll be about a 15 to 20 minute movie. And what it will do is it will kind of, from a child's perspective, present the Passion Week. So you don't want to miss it. You want to be there for that. We're, we're going to have our own children in a movie. So you want to be a part of that. They've been filming it now for months. So make sure you, you, you get all the grandmas and grandpas here, aunts and uncles, uh, as we you know, kind of watch the movie that, that the kids made for us. We need to receive this morning's tithe and offering. As you do that, uh, I want to just make you aware that we pledge to give Cornerstone uh, Pregnancy Services $10,000 the other night. I just, yeah. <laughs> just so you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, if, you, if you're not aware who Janet Parshall is, how many are aware of Janet Parshall's ministry? Oh my gosh, I was not aware. But, but when she started talking, I realized that I'd heard her before. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I have heard her voice before. She, she, she said, I am a war reporter from Babylon. And I thought that was fantastic. And uh, she works on behalf of the Bride of Christ in Washington. And she is a voice of reason and clarity. And man, is she leading the fight courageously for the church. And so she's a missionary on, on behalf, but she's a missionary for Cornerstone Pregnancy. And we want to send her, and we want to send Cornerstone in strength. We pledge 10000 And um, the reason I pledged 10000 is because I just thought that um, we ought to be the, the greatest givers in this region. Do you believe that? Some of you are not convinced yet, but you will be. It will be. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody, just lift your hands up. Okay, let's do an exercise. Everybody just say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, all right. We've got to wake you up a little bit. You know, you just, those announcements put you back to sleep. So, hey, <clears throat> so what I, what I make sure that we do as, uh, as a, the church in this region, uh, I believe God's called us to lead this region, uh, not only in vision, but in direction and in uh, just morality, in all the air areas. And, and so uh, anytime I'm in a room, I make sure that we, uh, we become the biggest seed sowers in the room. So I ask the question, who's going to give? Is there anyone in here tonight that's going to give 10? And I thought, okay, well, we'll start at 10. Now I'm going to have a conversation with Dr. Cynthia. And, and, uh, once, and Dr. Cynthia runs Cornerstone and she's a connection pastor here. And so she is our, our very own missionary in, in the field. And so I'm going to ask her if anyone gave above $10,000. And if they did, we have to increase our giving. Because I want to make sure that we are leading the cause and the fight for the sanctity of life. Amen? Amen. You can put your hands together for that. Um, I want to caution the church of the living God that in the next year, there is, there is a storm coming, as Janet said. There is a storm coming. Now look at me, everybody, look at me. Look at me and I want you to listen. Trust your spiritual leaders. Do not trust your civic leaders. I'm telling you now, the storm is coming, and the storm is going to attempt to divide you from your faith. 
I'm telling you before it happens, and I want you to make sure that you're aware that what's going to happen in the land is they're going to attempt to divide you from the sacredness and the sanctity of life that is unchanging in God's word. Every fingerprint is designed by God. There is no, there's not one individual that is an accident in this earth. And so I'm telling you now, this will be the fight of our time. And before it gets here and we become all divided by the left and the right and the red and the blue, I'm telling you now to keep your face buried in this Bible and don't you dare stray away from the sacredness of the scriptures that were written by the hand of God. I tell you now before it happens because there's a storm coming and uh, Janet said she said this and I've got to make a message of it she said there's there's too many lions not enough Daniels so I just right now in Jesus name lift your hands I I declare you are the Daniel of your generation, that you're a lion tamer. I declare you are the David of your generation, that you're a lion killer. In the name of Jesus, I declare courage and strength. Right now, I declare boldness. In the name of Jesus, I bless you today. Amen. Amen. So as we receive the offering today, I just want to make you aware that we pledged 10000 and uh, and sure could uh, uh, just, you know, use some help with that. <laughs> Wrote that check by faith. I said, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go above and beyond 10000 today. These are the ways to give. Thank you so much for your faithful giving here at Church on the North Coast. If you're not sure of what's happening here, you could just scan that card. That's right. There's a QR code right on the chair in front of you, or you can scan the QR code up there. These are the, that's the easiest way to give all those watching online. Do me a favor, if you're watching online, like and share this today, and make sure you comment. It helps us reach more people with the love of Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's bless your giving today. As you sow, let's command the blessing to be upon it. Live by seed and not by need. Amen, church? We live by seed and not by need. And so I bless every gift to every giver today. Thank you for the work of the Lord that you have given to us. Thank you for the vision of heaven that you have entrusted to us for this region and the nation. We declare in Jesus' name the seed we sow might be natural, but as we sow it in the natural, we reap heaven. We declare restoration, signs, wonders, healing. God, we bless your name with this gift today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Am I going or are you going? How are we starting? I don't, I forgot who, what we said, so help me. No, we didn't say, so uh, uh, I, I guess I'll start then. That's what that means. I think that's what that means, gentlemen. Take your Bible. Go with me to, let's start I have about three or four scriptures. My wife is going to have so many more, I'm sure. First Samuel 15, uh, but don't go there. First go to Romans 12, Romans 12, verse 2. We want to talk to you today about finding the will of God. How many have found the will of God? Amen. Here's, here's, I want to make it very simple for you. How many have found, how many have been found by Christ? Raise your hand. I want you to know that the presence of God contains the will of God. You hear me? So just like God revealed himself to you in his person, in his person is, is, is and comes with the will of God for your life. And I want to 
I want to uh, direct your attention to Romans 12.2. You know this. It's a very common passage of Scripture. Uh, you, 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 know, you sit in a church long enough, maybe you know, 35 minutes, you'll, you'll, you'll hear this Scripture. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By, the, by what? So when you renew your mind, you become a transformer. I won't even do it. You guys, some of you know exactly what I'm alluding to, but you know, when you, when you renew your mind, you get transformed. You know what I mean? You go from, you go from a dirty pickup truck into a war machine when you renew your mind. So you, <laughs> I did that years ago and it just keeps on, it never gets old. Renew your mind, be transformed. You got to become transformed. And when you renew your mind, you will then, what that's going to do, so, so what we know then is that when you renew, your, when, you, when you become transformed, now you can't allow yourself to be conformed. Because if you allow yourself to be conformed, you'll become deformed. So if you allow yourself to be conformed to the world, you're, gonna be, you're not going to become the formation of God. You're going to grow deformed. Nobody wants to grow deformed. So, you, so in order to prevent becoming deformed, you have to make sure that you become transformed. Now that's, oof. So you become transformed. How do I transform my normal life into, into what God has for me? Will you renew your mind? That tells me immediately that your mind is is not telling you the truth most, most of the time. Your normal mind is, is working against you. I, 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 saw, uh, I saw Jeff this morning. I don't know where he's at. But he had on an Ohio State jacket. And for a moment, I thought he had on a Michigan sweatshirt. I said, son, you're at war with yourself. And I want you to, but after, after, after further review, he opened up his jacket and said, no, it's army. I said, oh, okay. Whew, I was concerned. I, I thought we needed to pray for you right away. Because you don't want to be, your mind then is fighting against what God's trying to form in you. So that's why when Jesus first came, he said, you've got to repent. You have to change the way you think. Because your mind is working against what God's trying to create in you. And then he says this. Now, this is the part we, we kind of think, this is interesting. He says, if you renew your mind, you, you're going to, by renewing your mind, you're going to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. Now, as you read that, you probably believe that it's like, it's like 30, 60, 100. But it's not, that all, it's not that at all. It's each of them is specific. You see, transformation will reveal the will of God for your life. You have to prove them through transformation. What transformation does is, it tells you 
the good will of God for your life. Because, because if you don't know the good will of God for your life, this is, how you, this is why you must know the will of God. Because if you don't know the good will of God, you'll begin to believe that he's not good. But I want you to know God's will for you, say it with me, God's will for me, is always good. He, he desires good for you. And when bad comes to you, and I want you to know, you're going to experience some bad in life. But what you mustn't do is normalize or, or begin to associate bad with God. He's not the author of bad. He is only the author of good. Now, he will take bad and make it good. He knows how to take trash. He's the only one that has a, a, a great green deal for you. Don't you, don't you believe a word of it? God is the only one that is able to recycle trash and turn it into fertilizer for your life. He'll take every, he said he works all things for my good. Not just, not just the good things, but he takes all things. So you got to know what's good. You got to know the good will of God for your life. And then Paul said, you got to know the acceptable. We're not leading up to something. These are individual somethings. You got to know the good will of God for your life. And you've got to know the acceptable will of God for your life. You ever get into a room or be talking to somebody and they start talking sideways to you, and you say, this is not acceptable. you gotta, you got to determine the line of acceptability in your life. There are certain things you must go into the fight saying, I don't accept those terms. I, they, 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 you must be prepackaged with what you're willing to accept because the enemy will always push the line. So if you don't put the line down, I want you to know the enemy will, will, will encroach more and more and more upon you until he begins to violate you so much that you become, you become to fall prey and to, you begin to accept things you have no business accepting as a child of the king. You go back and you, you look at the, the story of Mephibosheth. And if you don't know that story, just Google it. You know, Mephibosheth. <laughs> Mephibosheth. He lived in Lodabar. That's about all you need to know about Mephibosheth, you know. But he was lame. And, and David goes and finds him and he says to him, you, you've been sitting, you've been eating from the wrong table your whole life. You've accepted You've, you've accepted a, a life of enslavement when you're royalty. And I want you to know, child of God, make sure you define the acceptable will of God for your life. Because if, you if you don't write out the terms of what is acceptable to you, the enemy will always violate it. And there are going to come times when he's going to come into your life and he's going to try to steal from your children. 
There was a time when he tried to steal my wife. Took her life for 15 seconds. But when he crossed over that line, I was sure to remind him, no, 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 this is unacceptable. I don't accept this as, as in any fashion. I don't accept this in any form. Now, right now, I command Jesus to come and bring life to the dead, and I command the resurrection power to be enacted on my behalf because you have violated the terms of what I believe is the acceptable will of God for my life. So you got to write out the terms of acceptability for your children, for your marriage, for your, for your school systems, for your government, for, for, for the city. For, you got to write out the terms of what is acceptable. And then Paul says, you'll prove the perfect will. Now this is good news for us. Because perfection, you know, we're never going to be perfect. We're all broken. I want you to know that as a family of God, we're all broken. None of us are perfect. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna miss it. We're going to mess up. You should just forgive one another more freely because there's no perfect family. There's no perfect child, daughter of God. There's just, there's no perfection out there. So forgive your loved ones more. Forgive your friends more. When they mess up, just know there's no perfection to be attained on this side of eternity. There is only excellence to be obtained, but never perfection. Perfection is vanity perfection is delusional we will not arrive to perfection until we close our eyes from time and open them in eternity but this right here i like this because this tells me that that if i allow myself to be transformed right if i allow myself to be transformed I can walk in perfect step with God in the earth. I can be in perfection with God in what he's doing. It doesn't mean that my character will be perfect. It doesn't mean that, that I will, I'll do it all perfect. But what it does mean is that I can find a way to be in perfect harmony with God. That there's a way where I can achieve perfection in my walk with God. That if he says turn left, I can, I'm turning left with him. I'm not going to get in front of him, but I'm certainly not going to fall behind him. But I can, be, I can walk right. If he said turn right, I can turn right. He said, the, the, the Isaiah the prophet said, I'm going to whisper in your ear. He, she, the prophet alludes to this and said, you can walk in perfection with God. And so it's encouraging to us to know that we can know for certain the perfect will of God. Amen? Amen. Wrong, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I skip some stuff. I do that sometimes. I'll have to make a sign for the back. I'll say, cut it. And then he'll know it's my turn. I'm just I, kidding. Yeah, you told me to go first. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So his will, not mine. And that, number one, skip right to my, my point. Find out what God is doing and join him. Amen. Find out what he's doing. And a lot of times we want, well, I think every day, I know if you're like me, I want, God, this is what I'm doing. Join me. Right? We go and we want him to join us in, in what we're doing and our desires. But John 5, 19 through 20 says, So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. So not even the Son can do anything of himself. Of his own accord, unless it is something he sees the Father doing. 
For whatever the Father does, the Son in his turn also does in the same way. For the Father dearly loves the Son and shows him everything that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will be filled with wonder. So he couldn't even do it. The son couldn't even do what he couldn't even do on his own. He had to do according to his father. And whatever his father was doing, the same way, the word says, he had to do it the same way. And so why do we think that we can do it our own way? If he even had to follow exactly what he saw the father doing, not my way, but only his way. We have to do whatever the father is doing. That's what, do that. So every morning you wake up, God, what are you doing today? Okay, I'm going to do that. And get, put our desires down, put our will down. So it's a daily thing. It's a daily transformation, right, of renewing. And, for example, Noah in the Bible, he didn't ask God, you know what, God, I'm going to build this boat. Never really even seen water that needs a boat. Don't even know what a boat is. But I'm going to build this boat, and, and then maybe can you send some rain so I can go on a boating trip? right? How goofy is that? He didn't dream, he couldn't dream that up. God put those dreams in his heart and then asked him to follow in his way and in his will what he wanted him to do. So God can't bless our plans and then we give him the glory. That's not how it works. We don't say, God, you bless, bless my plans, what I'm going to do, what I, wanna, what I want to happen in my life and those around me, and then I'm going to give you the glory for it. I'll give you all the glory. I'm sure we've all prayed those prayers. He receives glory when his will is done in his way. He puts those dreams in our heart. We submit our will. We submit our plans. We submit our purposes to God. And then we wait for him to show us what he's going to do. God, what are you about to do? If you're not sure, ask him. He'll show you. God, what are you about to do? What do you want to do? What do you want me to say to that person today? What do you want me to, um, to, to go and, and do for somebody today? What do you want me to do for you today? It's not the other way around. We have to go what he's already doing and join him in it, in his will and his purposes. And if you're not sure, go back and read the word. God, what did you do? What did you do? I'm going to do it the same way. Um, in Moses, in Exodus 2, he when he realized, you know, I'm a Hebrew, and he grew up, and he said, I'm not, I'm not an Egyptian. And so he went out, and he tried to um, do things his own way. He tried to do it his way, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help, help my Hebrew people. And he saw um, an Egyptian being bad, and then he went and killed a man. But that wasn't God's way. And he thought, but look at me. I'm, I'm helping my own people. See, I'm big and bad, and I'm helping my own people. And then he got caught, and then he had to go away for 40 years and reorient his life to a God-centered life, not a myself-centered life. And so God was still able to use him, and when God did use him, then when Moses joined God's way and God's will and what he was doing to deliver the Israelites, not one Israelite was lost. And not only that, they didn't have to go into battle. They walked out. They walked out, and they didn't just walk out with nothing, they walked out with all the plunder. So God's way is blessed. Our way, we're striving. We're, um, we're, we're trying to, you know, do things. We're killing things. We're hurting things. But when you do it, when you do it God's way, other people are blessed too. And that is the heart of the Father. That's the heart of the Father. Not just us, but every single person around you.
is affected when we're joining in God's way. And then he gets the glory, and we're able to grow closer to him. So God-centeredness, this is how we do it. God-centeredness requires me to die daily and submit to him. Imagine if Moses was submitted to God. And when you're submitted to God, it's not a, it's not a place of do what I say and you're under my thumb and, and a, a, a God that, that wants to just crush you and, and, and rule you and, and tell you what to do. It's not, it's not a harsh God. It's a loving God. God wants you to submit to him because you are in a place of safety under him. When you're in his will, you're in a place of his protective covering. That's what submit means. So imagine if Moses would have been submissive the first time, he wouldn't have had to do this. Somebody wouldn't have had to die. He wouldn't have had to leave for 40 years. They, they're waiting, God deliver us. 40 more years, they had to wait for somebody to deliver. Who's waiting? Who's waiting to be delivered because you can't walk in the will of God? Because I can't walk in the will of God because I am self-oriented instead of God-oriented. But just one time we say, nope, God, what are you doing? And walk in his way and what he wants us to do. And then he can have the victory. He can show other people his way and, and also bring the glory to his name. First Samuel 15, 13 to 23. I won't read all of that. You know the story. Um, uh, king Saul, he becomes king. And uh, he becomes king because the children of Israel want to be like the world, which you know, you don't want to be the king of that, just so you know. You don't want to be the king of that. And so uh, Samuel anoints him as the king. Not long into his rule as king, uh, he is instructed to do something for God. He's, he's instructed to go into battle, and he's instructed to make sure that he follows th the specific details of the instruction of God. And, and uh, along the way, so he goes, and along the way, you could read the story later, uh, but uh, along, along the way, he goes, he, he, he actually... He defeats the enemy, he takes the enemy captive, and then he steals all the, the stuff, and he, and he puts it in his treasury. So he kind of modifies the will of God, because he's the king. Power will always give you permission to modify the will of God for your life. The free will of God over your life, see, as you become an autonomous free will agent on the earth filled with the spirit of heaven, you begin to feel power, you know. Uh, the drug of power will begin to surge through your veins and you'll begin to think, I'm in control of my life. And so I get to determine what to do and what not to do and how to do it. And the temptation is there for every one of us modify or tweak or change what God said. And so this is what he does, nothing major. And then we have, we have this amazing ability, right, to with our words make it sound better than it is. Samuel comes along and he hears the bleeding of sheep and he knows immediately that he should not be hearing sheep bleeding because these are the, this is the spoil from the war. He comes and he hears it and he says, he, 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 he approaches Samuel right away and he begins to kind of like, you ever, have, you ever catch your kids doing something? And then they meet you at the stairs. And they're like, no, no, let me tell you what happened before you get down here and see that everything's broke. Let me tell you, I didn't mean to put the, put the, uh, the hammer through his foot. I didn't mean to do that, but here's how it happened. You know. 
They start telling you, and you're like, you immediately know, this is not good. This is bad. You know, something terrible has happened downstairs. <laughs> you're bleeding. I hear screaming. Something's wrong, but they're trying to rationalize what just happened before you get there. This is exactly King Saul's behavior. He approaches Samuel. Yeah, it was a hammer for me. I don't know what it was for you, but yeah. He approaches Samuel, and he says, I've done exactly like you said. I did this, and man, look what I did. I did this too. And he, he said, I, I saved this, and I took them hostage. And Samuel is furious with him. He says, no, you didn't do what God told you to do. You did what you wanted to do. And what you must know is that God does not bless, and this is what my wife said, God doesn't bless what you do. God blesses what he told you to do. He, he blesses what he told you to do. And, and, and I, you know, consistency of God's will is tough. I want you to know, like, to, to do it, to do faith every day, to do faith in your marriage, to raise your children the way you should, to, to be obedient, it to do faith every day consistently. Uh, Craig Rochelle has this quote. I love it. He says, average, uh, uh, great leaders do consistently what average leaders do occasionally. And consistency is tough. We went to go to sleep the other night, and I, I forget it. It was just another night. You know, it was just another night. And, and we were exhausted. We got home late, and, and uh, I threw my pillow on the, on the bed, and we're we're both right there and just tired. And, and I said, wake up tomorrow, do it all over again. And people think that the will of God is so exciting and so thrilling. It's so much fun to do the will of God. I want you to know it's a lie. The will of God is going to be tiring. It's going to be exhausting at times. It's going to keep you up late. It's going to, it's going to test you. It's going to refine you. It's going to, you know, it's going to wear you out at times, but God's going to fill you up. There's this mystery involved there. But the will of God is very boring at times. It's very predictable at times for your life. We, you know, you're looking at the extraordinary moments, but, but the consistency of God, the will of God is very consistent in your life. And so I want to warn you, don't try to spice it up. Anytime we try to help God, we're just going to mess it up. We're not going to spice it up. Trying to help. When you go to try to help in God, do you ever try to help God? Like, I'm going to say this for God because somebody needs to. I've seen some of the stuff you, you said. I know it. Get on Facebook and somebody got to say what needs to be said right now. And I'm I am just the one to say it. Get ready. He doesn't need any help. He doesn't need help. And then, and then secondly with this scripture, I want to say, the difference between not being blessed and not being cursed is obedience. You don't want... See, see Saul, thought, Saul thought he could do it better his way. And once he, once he attempted to do it, God's blessing came off of it. And obedience is, is weird that way, you know. Like obedience will either 
bring the blessing to what you're doing, or it will, it's not, you see, most of us settle, listen to me, most of us settle in life for just not being cursed. And I want to caution you, don't settle in life for just not being cursed. You can do it your way. You can. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that God's going to curse you. He's not. He's going to let you wear yourself out. He's going to let you use your own resources. He's going to let you use your own strength. He's going to let you use your own wisdom. But I want you to know, when you get the, the blessing from obedience by doing it God's way, then suddenly you get what you don't have. You get his wisdom. You get his strength. You get his strategy. You get his power. You get his deliverance. You get his blessing. Now suddenly God begins to fight for you. Amen? And so never settle for not being blessed and not being cursed. Obedience will always bring the blessing. God reveals himself, his will, and his way through his word and Holy Spirit. In John 16, 13, it says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father. That's hard, right? Imagine if the, all we did was speak what we heard from the Father. Whew, we would be so, it's so hard to do that. Like that's, say less. yeah, we would say a lot less, I think. I know that's, I would. But the message regarding the Son, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. So not even the Son was able to speak only the holy only what the holy spirit spoke to him and that's what he spoke and that's when he moved the spirit of truth will guide you and he speaks whatever he hears from the father and so daily submitting to him daily saying holy spirit what are you speaking today imagine if like that's all what you spoke to your spouse the what holy spirit said or whatever you spoke to your children, or whatever you, whatever you heard Holy Spirit saying, you spoke to the, the person at the store, or the person that was, you know, cutting you off, or those are hard, those are the hard times, right, to be able to do that, that's, that's really hard to do, but that is when we're doing it God's way, God's word, God's way. In Isaiah 55, 8, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, and this is how you can test it. If a method makes perfect sense, to me, it probably didn't come from God, right? Like, think about it. Why? Sometimes we think, well, it has to be perfect. If it came from God, it's perfect. The enemy keeps stopping it. This is not from God. But, but that's not always true. They walked out of the, they, they got to the, the Red Sea, the Israelites did, right? They were in a boat for Noah. They had to be in a boat like God with all these stinky animals. What are you doing? Like, what is happening? They had to watch, um, watch people that die that they knew and drown in the water. That's, that's not maybe something that you would think, God, why, why is this happening? Like he said, this isn't easy. It's not always easy to do God's will right? That you don't, you might not always see like giant waters of wa water turned into walls and stand up and you get to walk right through those, those miracles, but they're going to happen. 
they are going to happen because God's promises are true and he can't lie. And so when you are submitting to him and walking in that and doing what God says to do, it might not always make perfect sense. And that's okay. As long as you keep following what you hear, the God's, what God's voice is speaking to you. And when God works through us, we draw closer to him. It's to draw you closer to a love relationship with him. But again, not just you, others, others as well. He does it for others as well. So Holy Spirit will then convince you in your word time, in your prayer time, he'll put in your heart what you need to pray. He'll lay his desires on your heart. And suddenly you'll find yourself walking in his will. You'll find yourself responding to his voice, responding to what he's speaking to you, what the Father is speaking to you, and what he's asking you to do. I love this quote um, from Henry Varley. It says, the world has yet to see a man fully consecrated to him. That, think about that. I want to read it again. The world has yet to see a man fully consecrated to him. That's a man. But imagine, church, if every single one of us in here were fully consecrated to God, what that would look like. Oh my gosh, it would not take the third song for us to enter into the presence, right? We would be sprinting up here. We would be running up here like, God, and I'm not putting condemnation on anybody. I'm just saying if we were all fully consecrated to him, because I know life is hard and this is pulling us and these distractions are pulling us. And that's why he said to renew your mind daily. That's why he said, submit to me. Come under my protective covering. I know what you need. I know that you're human and you're, you're in this broken world and that it's difficult because he knows that we need that. He knows that. And so a man that is fully consecrated and set apart for him, man, this world is waiting. It's groaning for us, church, to become that, to do what our Father's will is and to be completely submitted to him. And so here's, um, here's what you need to ask. Number one, what are you speaking? Confirming to me through your word and prayer. And do they agree? God, what are you speaking? Ask, ask him daily. What are you speaking to me? And it, is it when you're reading your word and when you're praying, is it confirming? Is he confirming that? Do they agree? Number two, is he confirming it through circumstances? Don't try to go and do all of this, this stuff on your own. Like he, he's going he's gonna to show you the path. Remember, his, his ways aren't your ways. <laughs> they're, they're, they're higher than our ways. Number three, is he confirming it through the counsel of other believers who are following his will? So be careful, right? Because there's a lot of people out there maybe that aren't quite following his will. Like Moses, he, he was doing the right. He thought he was doing something noble, don't, don't beat um, a Hebrew man. I'm going to kill that man. He was protecting him. He was doing something noble, but that wasn't God's way. God couldn't bless that. And then Noah had to go, I'm sorry, Moses had to go and, and waste 40 years to wait again to be used by God. But God's so good. God's so good. He took him and said, all right, I got you. Come on. You need a little more time. We can do this. And so if that's where you are, ask Holy Spirit to show you. Every single moment, if you need to. God, I repent again of my pride. That was my way. That wasn't your way. Show me your way, not my way. You know, they got me a, a mug for a, 
I don't know, it's a Christmas ago. And, and it was like a joke because, <laughs> well, I guess it's not a joke because I admitted it. But, but the, um, I may be wrong, but I doubt it. Is that what the That's mug exactly says? That's exactly what it says. Because I, <laughs> but it's, I know, thank you women. Thank you. I know, but gentlemen, I like... Just face forward, gentlemen. Don't. I had to repent of that mug. Like I'm like, I need to just go like break it. I think I actually gave it to Carmenta. <laughs> I had to get it out of the house. <laughs> when she moved, I was like, here, Carmenta, you take this. I'm wrong. I am not right ever, ever. <laughs> Holy Spirit was like, no, mm -mm, you need to let go of that mug. You are not right ever. And so he true. will show you like you are not right. And if you mess up, but he wants to teach you through it. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so kind. So don't let condemnation come on you. Don't let shame come on you. Just let yourself be submitted, fully consecrated, placing yourself under the covering of a loving father in his will. In her defense, she's mostly right. Most of the time. Most of the time. It's us, not her. It is. Um, as we close, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we close. And uh, I just want to say a couple more things as we, as we just conclude with the will of God for your life. We have this misunderstanding of the kingdom and the government of the kingdom. It's a, it's a deep misunderstanding because power is just so... So, ugh. And once you get a little bit of power, you know, you start to think, I'm the man. But I, I want to say this. The government of the kingdom, the church. See, we're governed by a higher law. You're not, I want you to know, like you're not governed by the laws of, of your civic leaders. If you call your, yourself by the name of Christ, you and I, we're governed by a higher call. It's a higher law. It's superior. And we have this misunderstanding of government. Because we, we take a little bit of what we know and experience in the world and we try to institute it inside of the parameters of the kingdom and it just doesn't fit. Because it's not supposed to and we make our government most times about correcting disobedience that's that's not what the government of the kingdom is here to do I want you to know today the government of the kingdom is here to lead you into God's blessing And so, when we say things like, hey, uh, do you have any spiritual authority in your life? We're asking, like, who's leading you away from disobedience into obedience where the commanded blessing rests in your life? Are you, are you like, do you, do you surrender to any spiritual authority? Men, this is tough for us. Like, I'm not going to surrender to no authority. But the government is there. There's authority there to 
Say, no, no, no. Let me show you this way. This is the way to blessing. So, so real quick. If you're late to work, who are you accountable to? Your boss? No, no. Jesus. If you don't follow through on, on an assignment at work, who are you accountable to? That's your boss. Everything we do, we do for him. We do it honorably. Every act of love, every serve, every act of service that we do, we, do, we don't do it to be seen by the masses. We do it in honor of him. So you can, and once you know that, you say, yeah, I want to surrender to, to the authority of the kingdom because I want the blessing of the kingdom. I don't want the affirmation of the world. Martha was serving. She was doing everything. Mary was, she was in the face of Jesus looking for transformation. And God said, Jesus, I'm not going to take that away from her. Because if you're just looking for attention by doing everything, like there's no authority there. There's no power there. There's no transformation there. There is transformation, however, in, in like what God's called you to do. The will of God. In the will of God for your life, there is authority. Authority comes through obedience to what God said, not what you wanted to do. Psalms 143 verse 10 says this. Teach me to do your will. This is David. Under, look, it doesn't say, teach me to know. This tells me that God's will is not informational, but it's, an, it's application. That his presence comes prepackaged with his will. David didn't say, teach me your will. He said, teach me to do your will. <laughs> teach me to do what I know I'm supposed to to do. That's our prayer today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I pray that there would be a surrender in your life, in my life, that we would do what we know God is calling us to do. I pray the strength of the Lord, the courage of God to be yours. It's not going to be popular. Most times it's not going to be easy. But God, help us. Come on, just lift your hand and say, God, help me to do your will. Your will be done, not mine. Jesus said, who are those that are my brothers and sisters? Those who do the will of the Father. God, we want to be those found doing what we know we ought. Bless everyone today as we commit to do. Now, if you're here today, every keep your eyes closed, no looking around. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, Christians are gonna pray right now. Christians begin to pray. We're interceding for 
those who might be in the room and those who might be watching right now who have never fully given their lives over to Christ, if that's you, I want you to know God brought you here today. God loves you. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And His will for you is good. His will for you is acceptable. His will for you is perfect. And so right now, if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior, pray this prayer with me, Jesus. Just say His name, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I repent. I changed my mind. I want you and not this world. Take my life. Change this world. I give it to you fully. When I fall down, you're going to fall down. When I fall down, I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to run straight back into your arms because you love me. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you put your hands together for Jesus today? As we conclude this service, I want to welcome our, our, our uh, elders, our prayer team to come forward. If you need prayer today, if you prayed that prayer, do me a favor. Ask your neighbor if they would like prayer today. And if they would like prayer, do me a favor. Lead them on down to the front where we can touch and agree for God's will to be done in their life. We want to say live right, love everybody, and pray hard. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.